to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Welcome to podcast Freshly Forever, folks. And today I have the pleasure of having here with us Dr. Micah Yu. He is an autoimmune expert. He's here joining us to talk about uh, the diet and lifestyle influences on autoimmune disorders. With his passion for learning and improving his patients' medical problems, he has pursued multiple alternative medicine disciplines so that he can blend traditional and alternative medicine to give the best treatment plans to his patients. Welcome, Dr. Yu, to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being on your show. So if we can start with what is an autoimmune illness for people that are uh, just tuning in and are not very familiar? And what are some of the common autoimmune illnesses uh, or diseases that people experience? I think that'll be a good starting point. Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, autoimmune diseases are uh, a group of diseases that have your body's immune system start attacking itself. I, I'm a rheumatologist, so I specialize in autoimmune diseases that are related to the connective tissue, the joints, mm-hmm. and um, ligaments as well. Um, but overall, there's so many types of different autoimmune diseases. You have autoimmune diseases in neurology, which is like multiple sclerosis, GI, you have celiac disease, you have inflammatory bowel disease such as Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Um, you have your endocrine diseases such as your hypothyroidism. Um, Hashimoto's is a form of autoimmune disease in the endocrine system. You also have my field, rheumatology, which comprises many of the autoimmune diseases, uh, which include rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, lupus. Uh, myositis, vasculitis. So there's so many types out there. And then, of course, you have type 1 diabetes as well. Okay. So is this common more in the Western world, or do you think now it's pretty much prevalent all across the world? Yeah. So there was a study a couple of years ago that was um, done, and they found that autoimmune diseases across all different types of um, specialties is rising up around the rate of 7% a year. Um, and this is international. So the rates of autoimmune disease are going up. A lot of people have autoimmune disease now, whether you're in the Western world or the Eastern world, it doesn't really matter. I think um, globally, we're becoming more like one society eating one more of a fast food and all these type of foods out there. So um, that environment's sort of becoming more similar now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of sad. Uh, but I guess that's the harsh reality today. Uh, do you think environment plays a part in it or what is a major factor in someone falling, say, sort of prey to autoimmune illness or autoimmune disease? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, So autoimmune diseases are comprised of half genetics and half environment. Um, So that half uh, could be stronger in someone else than another person. But you, it's nature and nurture. You cannot have autoimmune disease without the genetic component to the predisposition to it. Um, so the environment comprises of many different things. So, of course, we talked about, about nutrition plays a role, but also um, stress, sleep, mm-hmm. exercise, um, drug use, 
um, how is your relationship with your um, family and friends, your community. Also, um, environmental toxins potentially play a role as well. So these are just some of the factors that play a role in autoimmune diseases. Okay. What about vitamin D and B12 levels in someone contracting autoimmune diseases? And what about, say, zinc, vitamin E, and all of uh, that? And do you see, when you uh, find some new diagnoses, do you find people being deficient in any of these when you run their vitamin mineral profile? Yes. So so as far as the most common vitamins I run, uh, vitamin D is the most common vitamin that I run because it has been correlated with more um, disease flares, specifically in my field, in rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, and other autoimmune diseases as well. So I make sure that my patient is um, normal in their vitamin D. If they're deficient, then that sends a red flag to me um, because some of their pains and um, flares can be potentially minimized with a normal vitamin D level. The reason why vitamin D is so important is not only is it like a hormone mm-hmm. but and involved with bone metabolism, but it's also very important to your immune system. Your gut, your immune cells have vitamin D receptors to them. So that's why vitamin D is so important. As far as the other vitamins are concerned, vitamin B12 usually is normal in a lot of patients I check um, because you do, if people that are eating meat, um, they probably get enough vitamin B12. Um, For those that are vegan or vegetarian, um, I do uh, keep a closer eye on them because sometimes they can fall below normal, but usually I've I've rarely seen it. seen uh, at a low level. Other vitamins, I don't really check or minerals unless I something red flag comes up on their history. Um, usually those are normal as well. Um, unless they are on a very restrictive diet, then I'm more careful and I'll probably run a panel on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how important then is it, uh, like say, for someone to be in tune with nature as far as, say, again, not contracting autoimmune illnesses. Yeah, being in nature is uh, so therapeutic. I think it's uh, undervalued um, and it's not talked about enough. Unfortunately, our society these days, we're not very in tune with nature really. Um, Mm -hmm. And the best place to get in tune with nature is really in um, – the local park is a great place, the beach. um, But what I really like is national parks as well because you're really – um, away from the city. Mm-hmm. But there's a study that was done, um, not on autoimmune disease patients, but just in people in general. They found that the people in Japan, when they do something called forest bathing, where they go deep into the forest and they're away from the city, um, they found that their natural killer cells, which is part of your innate immune system, which helps fight off viruses and bacteria, um, these numbers went up when they were doing forest bathing. Uh, and compared to the people that are in the city that just went to the park. Um, so it, it does help the immune system to be in touch with nature. And um, it can be just very therapeutic, just very relaxing. And they found that the essential oils from the wood also mm-hmm. probably played a role in um, getting the natural killer cells up as well. And, you know, what's interesting also is that the the stress levels of the people that were in the forest bathing group um, went down also. And stress plays a huge role in autoimmune diseases. So getting in touch with nature will um, bring down the stress levels of a lot of patients. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, All this seems very interesting, whatever you're saying. 
And um, what about uh, polarity? Uh, does it matter when someone is like um, closer to the equator, like depending on where they live or further from that, you know, does mm-hmm. distance uh, affect the polarity of individuals and does that cause any shift again in falling prey to autoimmune illnesses? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm not sure um, if um, being close to the equator um, plays a role, but certainly geography does play a role in autoimmune diseases. We know that certain populations um, in certain parts of the world will have more um, prevalence of a certain autoimmune disease versus another group. Mm-hmm. And also in just the United States alone, certain um, um pockets of population will be will have more of an autoimmune disease as well. Um, you can certainly point to the environment, um, whether there there is um, more pollution in the area, that certainly plays a role. And the food um, does play a role as well. So in the area that the people are living in, are there food deserts or do they have access to fruits and vegetables and these more therapeutic food out there? Okay. Um, having said that, is it true then that you are what you eat, or is that a myth? No, that 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 I I believe in it. Um, you are what you eat. A, a lot of um, the most anti-inflammatory diets out there that you see, um, I I would put the Mediterranean diet as an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, you can look at a whole food, plant-based diet. Some people say that paleo diet is anti-inflammatory as well. Um, it does help patients. Some people do go to remission on these diets. Um, so you are what you eat. If you are eating fried food all day, fast food, you will be more prone to autoimmune diseases um, and just chronic illnesses in general. So you have to focus on fruits and vegetables all across different um, anti-inflammatory diets. Fruits and vegetables are the mainstay in them. Mm-hmm. Um I know you have your own share of history to tell the listeners and how you achieve changes and well-being. Mm-hmm. Why don't we go there? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I loved um, talking about the story because it really um, helps inspire people um, to get on the right path. So I was diagnosed with gout at the age of 17. Gout is not an mm-hmm. autoimmune disease. It's an arthritis. Um, but I want a high-protein diet, and I got gout overnight. And throughout the years um, – you know, I would flare with gout, but right before med school was when my disease really transformed and um, created more joint problems. I had arthritis in multiple joints, TMJ, um, my elbows, my wrists, fingers, knees, ankles, toes, and gout doesn't do this normally. So I knew Mm -hmm. something was wrong. And throughout med school, I went to different rheumatologists. They couldn't really figure me out. They worked me up. And they told me, you have gout, but you have something else. So mm-hmm. I, I finally got diagnosed during my residency um, with spondyloarthritis, which is an autoimmune disease that attacks the joints and tendons. So I, I was recommended, of course, to be put on medications, but I didn't go on medications. I refused to go on medications because I didn't want to be on medications my whole life for this disease. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping there was a way out. Fortunately, I discovered whole food plant-based diet, and within a couple months, my disease significantly improved. My inflammatory markers on my labs improved significantly as well. One of them went negative. So from there, I I really discovered that, you know what, your body can heal itself. 
And as a rheumatologist, I've seen so many patients try different diets and things like that. Even though some people go on a very anti-inflammatory diet, some of them won't go to remission. Um, some will. Mm-hmm. So everyone is different in um, the genetics and their disease manifestation itself as well. So th- this, this is what led me down the journey of learning about integrated medicine, um, functional medicine, and trying to put all the pieces together as to what the root causes of autoimmune diseases. Okay. Um, and um, that's, again, very, very interesting. And I'm sorry, I believe you used to limp your way when you were in ICU rounds. Yeah. And so how did that change happen? So was it this whole food plant-based diet that, you know, that really transformed that aspect as well, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you were in that bad a shape, but then it really helped bring about a change? Yeah, I mean, it was a really rough time during residency. Um, Like you said, um, I I was, during my IC rotations, I was limping to work. I was limping during rounds as well. It was, that was, I still remember that pain to this day. It was one of the worst pains I've had um along with my tmj pain as well and i would flare oh i'm sorry i know that must have been very hard really sorry to yeah hear that th- you had to go through all yeah thank god that i haven't experienced that type of pain in a very long time um but yeah i would flare every some every couple of weeks every month um and still go to work and what, the way i discovered whole food plant-based diet was through my wife my wife is a doctor as well She's a family medicine mm-hmm. doctor. And um, at the residency program that we were at, at Loma Linda University in California, um, they have a lifestyle medicine program, which my wife discovered and she was learning from. And um, she introduced me to the concept of a whole food plant-based diet. So I watched some documentaries such as Forks Over Knives, uh, read some books as well. So I decided I would give it a shot and see what this diet would do. And to my surprise, my, my pain miraculously went away and it didn't really have flares at all um, when I was on this diet. So um, thank God. <laughs> That's why I'm trying to share this message with the world. Because um, a lot of people and a lot of doctors don't know that how powerful food can be and how food can be mm. very healing. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, very true. And uh... Uh, I have my own story with IBD and I can certainly attest to a lot of things that you're saying. And of course, I'm going to learn more from you as you speak. Mm-hmm. And I continue to learn every single day in my journey with health as well. You focus a lot on plant-based diet and nutrition. And uh, does it have to be vegan? And what do you think are some of the major influencing factors for betterment of autoimmune health. Yeah, that's an ex- excellent question. Um, so you don't have to be vegan to put your disease to remission. Um, there, there are so many types of anti-inflammatory diets out there. I, I like a whole food plant-based diet. So a whole food plant-based diet, for those of you that don't um, know about it, it's pretty much going vegan without processed food. That's what it is. And mm-hmm. I, I've, you know, as a doctor, I've seen patients not go on a whole food plant-based diet that have gone to remission. Um, some have gone a paleo diet that have improved um, Mediterranean diet. Everybody's different. Um, what works for one person doesn't mean it'll work for another person. Everyone's genetics is different, um, and the disease is different as well. For with that said, um, fruits and vegetables have to be the core of an anti-inflammatory diet because of the phytonutrients mm-hmm. and the fiber. With, with the colors in each fruit and vegetable that you see, there's a different phytonutrient in them. Phytonutrients are micronutrients 
in these foods that are not essential to survival, but they're essential to maintaining your health. And as you eat these foods, they will produce an anti-inflammatory effect in your body and it'll help your immune system. That's why it's so important to focus on these foods. I, I try not to um, put patients into one category for foods. I, I really try to emphasize mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables in general. Some people don't want to be vegan and that's totally fine. Um, I, I work with all types of patients and meet them where they want to be met. Some patients will eat meat, I mean, not meat, but um, fish. Fish is known to be anti-inflammatory in a lot of the rheumatology studies. What I don't like about mm-hmm. fish is that there's a lot of pollution and um, toxins in fish now that we didn't have thousands of years ago. So your oil spill, your pollution goes into the fish. The bigger fish eat the small mm-hmm. fish and then we eat the bigger fish and then we get that pollutants in our body. But overall, if you're looking at fish, um, apart from that, it's it's pretty anti-inflammatory. Um, so I would say you got to eat your fruits and vegetables and whole grains. Whole grains are very important for um and and anti-inflammatory diet because of the fiber but of course paleo cuts out grains um but it still works for people and what about nuts and seeds and Mm -hmm. all the legumes you know all the beans and stuff yeah talking a lot about fiber yeah so nuts seeds um and beans legumes those are very important um because they have fiber also like you said they have very very high fiber and they have protein as well your beans have high protein hemp seeds have high protein as well so i really like those food products and i do recommend it to my patients however there are going to be populations that will not be able to tolerate these beans um because maybe the fiber content is too high um I know the paleo diet likes to cut these food groups out. I don't recommend that. I always recommend trying to incorporate as many food groups as possible, trying not to be too restrictive. Um, one of the reasons why some people um, may react to the beans, like I said before, it might be the high fiber content and they're just mm-hmm. very sensitive to it. It's not because of an allergy. It's not because it's inflammatory. It's because possibly the microbiome, the gut microbiome isn't um, – adaptive to it yet a lot of people with autoimmune diseases will have something called gut dysbiosis so Mm -hmm. your gut microbiome is consists of over 100 trillion bacteria and your gut microbiome will have good bacteria and bad gut bacteria and Mm -hmm. in autoimmune diseases and almost across all of the spectrum you have something called gut dysbiosis so that means your bad gut bacteria overwhelms your good gut bacteria. When this happens, um, some of your bacteria that might be needed to digest certain foods might not be there because the gut dysbiosis uh, needs to be replenished. Mm -hmm. Um, So that might be a reason why these people might not be able to tolerate beans and legumes and grains. That's why they people like a paleo diet more. Um, There is something very, very popular these days about the anti-lectin diet. Um, so mm-hmm. lectins are found in beans and legumes, um, and some people potentially may be sensitive to them. But when you cook them, mm-hmm. 95% of the lectins are destroyed. So that's not even an issue. Um, there's no real scientific studies out there on lectins and inflammation. I only found one study in the past 10 years that have talked about this really. Um, maybe in the future, we'll have more studies, but right now it's overblown and it's not really built on science. And that's why it's probably important to soak the beans as well, correct? The raw beans, yeah, you know, the dry correct. ones yeah. when, to get rid of the lectins. And so exactly. for anyone listening here, 
for them to transition to a better lifestyle uh they've heard you loud and clear so far as far as a whole food plants be plant based diet and the beans and legumes the fiber in general the fruits and vegetables and what not um you talked about gut microbiome so for someone to help build that is probiotics a route or uh, even if they are not able to digest uh, these beans and legumes maybe they shouldn't go at it uh, just overnight but then start small and transition is that kind of like the recipe for success Yeah yeah if if you can't tolerate this food um you can work your way to success um try to incorporate just a little bit of it just a spoonful at a time get your microbiome used to these type of foods um you certainly don't need to take a probiotic supplement um to improve there's probiotics in lots of fruits and vegetables out there you just need to find them there's prebiotics in these foods as well um so i don't recommend to my patients to go on probiotic supplements because they don't really need to but i'm certainly not against these probiotic supplements. Mhm. Okay. Uh but interestingly enough, of course you and I uh here are having a conversation on a podcast forum trying to just put best messaging out there, but this is not to be construed as medical advice or substitute for in-person medical advice. Uh that is something uh we need to mention, but again, I stop my probiotic and my ibd feels a lot better because uh i think it also makes me wonder there isn't probably a universal one size fits all approach and there's not a single bottle that can cater to you and to me and to somebody else right so i have incorporated more and more colors into my food and all what of whatever you have been suggesting most of what you have said I think you know I have I have definitely found results so I'm completely in tune with what you're saying and uh, I'm sure this is going to be fascinating for the listeners. Um so does gut microbiome also play a role in how the body reacts to um medications and in general your mood and well-being overall so yeah the gut microbiome does affect the mood um it's so important you have the gut brain connection um so the gut is very mm-hmm. important for um mental health and also um overall it's it's so important to everything you, can, you can't emphasize the gut microbiome enough um so that's why food is so important Okay. Um you said mind body connection there and I know you suggest uh several options for uh improving that situation as well like yoga meditation things like that like mm-hmm. if people follow your Instagram posts and all of that uh I think they can learn quite a lot and I'll have you uh talk about your social media follow at the very end but if you can tell us how one can uh help achieve that and also a little bit more about the role of exercise in also helping to build the gut microbiome or making the immune system strong yeah so um relieving stress is so important for immune health and to fight autoimmune disease you can eat so good so anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. but if your stress levels are high it's going to create inflammation still you're you're going to you're probably going to flare if you have chronic stress so there's so many techniques you can do out there um you can do mind um guided imagery you can do meditation yoga tai chi um 
mindfulness, um, eating, uh, just being mindful throughout the day, gratitude journaling, um, coloring books, and all these different things out there. There's so much you can do for stress reduction, biofeedback, getting a therapist, um, getting over traumas. Past traumas are so important um, to get over mm-hmm. for autoimmune disease as well. So there's so much you can do. And I learned a lot of these techniques through my fellowship that I'm in right now, through the University of Arizona's Integrated Medicine Fellowship. Um, it's a two-year mm-hmm. program, and it, it talks about all these different things you can help. And you don't have to have autoimmune disease to do these things. You can have just – you don't have to have any illness. It's very um, therapeutic and just to maintain one's health as well. And just going to exercise as well. Exercise is anti-inflammatory. You have to exercise. It attacks the reactive oxygen species. It's a it's a natural way for your body's immune system to get stronger. So mm-hmm. any type of exercise. If you can't walk, then stretch. If you can't run, then just walk. Um, but any type of movement is very helpful. Mm-hmm. And every small bucket of time that one can find, I seem to read a lot about those kind of things these days suggested by doctors, every small bit that one can do, like five-minute, 10-minute intervals, all those are helpful, correct? Mm-hmm, exactly. Okay, something is better than nothing, definitely. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and I know you have like a quick breathing technique that you um, try to teach people, like the four, seven, eight. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you tell the listeners about it here? Yeah, you can do this throughout the day as many times as you want. Um, so... Um, this, it just brings you back to um, mindfulness. So what you do is you breathe in for four seconds mm-hmm. and then you hold it for seven seconds and you exhale for eight seconds. And I like doing this. It just helps me focus on my breath. Uh, if I'm really stressed about everything else, if I'm focusing on my breath, I can't think of anything else. Some people also like to do the five, five, five technique. So instead of doing four seconds, seven seconds, eight seconds, they'll do five seconds of breathing in, holding it, and then breathing out as well. Um, and this can help with anxiety, um, depression, and so many things. Maybe even improving sleep as well, right? Like being able mm-hmm. to fall asleep. And yeah. does the longer exhalation like make you like more grounded? Uh, uh, is that why the eight in there uh, does longer? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, when I do the eight seconds, it really help, makes me focus on the eight because it takes you have to. It takes a long time to get to eight seconds, so mm-hmm. um, it just makes you more aware of the situation. That's why I like the eight seconds. Back in a moment with our guest on Fresh Leave Forever. Okay, and uh, just to touch back a little bit on um, the fruits and vegetables and the whole food plant-based diet, is it important for someone to uh, eat necessarily organic? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So, um, so the the reason why I recommend organic is because of if you don't eat organic, you'll get something called glyphosate, which um, is a it's a it's a pesticide and it's a breakdown of the pesticide. So you get glyphosate and that ends up in our fruits and vegetables. Um, and the glyphosate has been associated with um, the leaky gut, so it does mm-hmm. affect the gut microbiome. But you certainly don't need to eat organic um, in order to get better. I think the important um, takeaway here is to eat your fruits and vegetables, whether they're organic or non-organic, just get them in. If you can afford it, then eat organic. Um, it's a, glyphosate is an environmental toxin that I try to stay away from, but 
at home, I mean, if if the price is right, then I'll get organic. But I mean, sometimes organic is too bit too expensive on that particular day in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, um, also, I think from my own personal experience, um, I just would like to share that growing our own fruits and vegetables, whatever possible, even in like small container garden type of situations, mm-hmm. I think that helps to at least give us peace of mind that what you're eating is not uh, pesticide laden. Plus, mm-hmm. It also helps connect with nature, with the ground, you know, when we are out and about gardening. Exactly. Playing with the soil and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, I I agree with you completely. I think growing food in your backyard and your yard is the best because you know exactly what's going in it. Because even if something's called organic, it can still have glyphosate and these pesticides on them. Um, That doesn't merely mean it's pesticide free 100%. Because if they're growing, well, one side of the farm is organic, the other side of the farm is not organic, the wind can blow all the pesticide over to the other side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And being connected with nature, the skin is also a source to build microbiome. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, okay. Having talked about all this, uh, let's just talk about some of the inflammatory markers that you said you typically check. Um, Can you tell listeners what CRP is, what ESR is, uh, and how important is it for someone to have their doctor check these if they experience Mm -hmm. aches and pains that seem to be indicative of inflammation? Yeah, so C-reactive protein and uh, ESR, uh, which is um, sedimentation rate, are two inflammatory markers we frequently get in medicine. C-reactive protein is produced by the liver, and um, sedimentation rate is just talking about how the red blood cells um, flow down um, and um, in the test tube, and the rate of it will mm-hmm. help tell us whether there's a lot of inflammation or not. However, these inflammation markers are not 100% accurate all the time. It doesn't mean that... You, just because it's negative doesn't mean that you don't have inflammation in your body. They're just biomarkers. Um, I've certainly seen, certainly seen patients flare right in front of me with normal C-reactive protein and ESR. So it's just something nice to get, um, but it doesn't tell me the complete picture. And um, your ESR CRP can go with autoimmune disease, but it can also go with infection, can go with cancer, and it can even go with um, being obese as well. So there's so many reasons why ESR CRP will go up, and you really have to have the overall clinical picture of the doctor and the judgment of the doctor to determine whether this is significant or not. Okay. Um, having said that, uh, do you believe um, that these markers can shift periodically based on what someone eats or how they carry on their lifestyle? Can say any of these factors like food or meditation or anything else, exercise have a positive effect on these markers? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I've seen patients who um, yeah, anti-inflammatory diet and their markers start going down. Um, there's a really big study out there off the NHANES um, um, data that um, I think they observed patients over 10, 20 years, and they found that the the higher amount of fiber you ate, the lower the C-reactive protein of the population as well. So definitely food plays a huge role, um, and stress reduction does as well. Oh, wonderful. What about gluten, Dr. Yu? Uh, is mm-hmm. it something that you um, uh, tell patients to avoid or is it okay for certain people to be eating yeah. gluten and certain others not? Mm-hmm. So gluten um, in 
medicine um, mainly affects celiac disease patients. So if you have celiac disease, you you cannot tolerate gluten um, because of a um, antibody. Um, it'll affect the small microvilli in your small intestine. And so there's a couple of groups out there. There's your celiac disease group, and then you have your uh, non-celiac gluten sensitivity group. So these patients do not have celiac disease, but the gluten does affect them. And some patients do have a wheat problem as well. With mm-hmm. that said, gluten can potentially affect patients with autoimmune diseases. The reason why I say that is because when you eat gluten, um, there's Dr. Fasano from Harvard, he discovered this, that gluten does uh, produce the leaky gut. So um, Mm -hmm. when you eat gluten, um, it can open up the little cells up, um, the the tight junk. Each cell is connected to each other very tightly. When you eat gluten, it will um, open up the cells, the tight junctions a little bit. So small food particles, viruses, and these things can flow through and then interact with your immune system. Uh, However, I don't think we have the full story here because gluten um, can affect autoimmune disease, but I have a lot of patients who eat gluten that have gone to remission. Um, I eat gluten and I, most of the time I'm pain-free. Um, so I don't, I think we need more research on it, but certainly, um, gluten is one of the factors I look at when a patient, um, comes to me. Okay. Maybe worth a try, but not necessarily something to avoid altogether if it works. Exactly. Because if you are avoiding gluten, it's heavier on your pocket. Um, and avoiding gluten doesn't mean the food's healthier. Um, people, studies have shown, um, that people that eat gluten are generally healthier in the population. Um, because they're not restricted to the certain foods that they need to eat. Okay. We reference paleo diet earlier and all of that. And uh, uh, say there's Atkins diet, there's so many different types of diet. Do you think any of these are like a tailor-made approach for anyone? So I would say, so you're going to hear stories that people on the keto diet get better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recommend the keto diet because there's so many complications that can happen from this. Um, I mean, heart disease is one of the top um, killers of the world. And also with lupus patients, one one of the top killers is heart disease. Rheumatoid arthritis is heart disease as well. Um, So if you get better on a keto diet, you're you're missing out on the fruits, a lot of fruits that have um, phytonutrients in them. And potentially if you don't eat vegetables too, um, and the the refined carbohydrates can be so um, healthy for patients. So that's why I don't recommend the keto diet. Um, All the saturated fat, um, I don't think it's leading to any good out there. And for the paleo diet, I mean, I I don't recommend the paleo diet if a patient doesn't need to cut out grains um, because, like I said, grains are very healthy. I mean, you're you're cutting out quinoa, rice, beans mm-hmm. and all these things that can be very, very um, therapeutic for patients. And sometimes it's uh, it's a mental block. If you can't eat these foods, it can be very stressful as well. You don't need, not everyone needs to cut out these foods to get better. Um, so I, I think everyone's microbiome is different, but because they have a disease already, their microbiome's um, out of balance. That's why certain um, Diets um, work better for certain people, but I think once their microbiome's restored, you can certainly introduce these foods back into your system. Mm-hmm. Can someone not realize that they are even stressed? 
Oh yeah, definitely. I think if you're if you're not mindful, if you're used to such a high stress level already, sometimes your high stress level is your norm, and you don't realize your stress. And chronic stress <laughs> is a uh, is unfortunately one of the root causes of autoimmune disease. Okay, and you were um, on an Atkins diet earlier when you were a football player because you felt like you needed protein. What's your message to someone that says athletes need animal protein to thrive? Yeah, so um, there's you certainly don't need it. There's a lot of athletes now, your professional athletes that are on a plant-based diet um, that are thriving. Um, I think there was a documentary, The Game Changers, the Tennessee Titans um, were on that documentary. They're a football team, and a lot of the athletes on there were eating a plant-based diet, and they were doing very well. Um, so it's uh, it's something that our society has to get over, but you don't need an animal protein um, to build muscle. Okay, and... Uh... Yeah, you had your story there in terms of, okay, you just ended up eating a whole lot of protein, but then you didn't focus on your plants or your fruits and vegetables. And Mm -hmm. that was initially when you felt all that inflammation also, correct, in your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, So on the flip side, can someone be vegan and have an energetic and vibrant lifestyle? Is that possible? Yeah. Yeah, you can certainly have be vegan and have a very um, vibrant life. Um, being vegan, you just have to be. You can get all the protein. There's there's a lot of different amino acids out there. Not every fruit and vegetable and grain will have all the um, amino acids you need for your protein. But if you eat all the combinations, eat the rainbow, everything, you can certainly get all the amino acids you need. So it's a myth that um, you can't get enough protein when you're um, a vegan. And being vegan. Um, you're going to eat a lot of fiber. So fiber is very anti-inflammatory. It's good for the immune system. So there is certainly no drawback to being vegan, but not everyone um, can be vegan. Um, and it's everyone's a little bit different in their genetic makeup. Some people say they don't feel as well when they're vegan. And I certainly believe it. So you can, but the main point here is still eat your fruits and vegetables. That's the main thing for every type of diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think you have emphasized it very nicely. Um, I I was just going to ask how important is it for someone to not overlook their diet, even when medications work or even when they think, okay, I don't have an autoimmune illness. I'm fine health-wise. So how do we address or what message would you like to send to those people? Yeah, so these diseases, chronic illnesses, including autoimmune disease, um, brew over time. It doesn't hit you overnight. It takes a long time for these things to develop. Um, for example, in lupus patients, rheumatoid arthritis patients, we know that the antibodies um, develop 10 years prior to diagnosis. So you're going to first get the antibodies developing. And then over time, then you're going to feel a little bit of symptom, maybe a brain fog, fatigue, and then the joint pains and all the rashes and these different symptoms start coming out over time. Mm-hmm. So you really have, it's all about prevention. You have to take care of yourself early on. If you don't take care of yourself, then um, once these things happen, it's going to be very hard to um, potentially get off medications. It's going to be hard to reverse these diseases. Um, and it's going to take a lot more discipline. Okay. Uh, now that you said that, is it uh, possible that one needs an integrated approach to treat when they fall sick? Or is it likely that one can just do one or the other, like stick to all conventional medicines or stick to all integrated approach and uh, possibly heal themselves? Yeah, so I, 
I like the integrative approach where you um, combine the mind of um, traditional conventional medicine with the mind of alternative medicine doctor. And that's what's so mm -hmm. beneficial about going to um, learn about integrative medicine is that you get best of both worlds, uh, especially with your, when you're with a specialist. So the way I, I treat my patients, I, I think medications, uh, the technology behind it is very powerful. It's helped a lot of my patients. Um, and my patients have gone to um, resolution um, with these medications. With that said, being on medications, there's always potential side effects. It's a Russian roulette with these medications. You can, with my medication, you can potentially get cancer from that. You get allergic reactions. You can, um, your blood cell counts can go all over the place. Um, so there's definitely a risk with these medications. With the natural way, with the alternative way, um, I think the evidence isn't as strong, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work. Um, it's the best thing about the, the natural way is that if you do get better, like there's no side effects of um, eating, doing the natural thing really. Um, but then again, with herbs, there are side effects. You know that we know that some herbs uh, does have a blood thinning effect. Some herbs do affect your liver. Um, so just because you go all natural doesn't mean that there is no risk involved in that aspect as well. So um, you have to have the opinion of if you don't have one doctor that does both you have to have the opinion of both um, sides so that you know what's best for your treatment mm -hmm. so it's important for either someone like you who can do both or it's important to have someone working in conjunction with an in integrative practitioner or like a natural practitioner uh, yeah that's very well said yeah yeah B because there's no uh, from now coming being a patient and learning so many different fields now uh, integrated medicine functional medicine i i think there is no one best field um mm -hmm. there's no one size fits all so mm -hmm. It's if you're going to a naturopathic doctor, it's important to also see someone from the conventional side to get their opinion because just because you're doing a natural way doesn't mean it's the best way. Um, and you might end up hurting yourself in the long run. And because if you're going to a conventional doctor, you may not know what's the alternative in the natural way as well. You might be able to minimize your medications by doing something more natural. So that's why it's important to explore for your own mm -hmm. benefit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what is the role of uh, other supplements and omega-3s and all of that? Like, do you normally recommend any of those, those to your patients? Yeah, it depends. Uh, every patient's different, but omega-3 um, fatty acids are anti-inflammatory. We know that. And all the fish, a lot of the studies on fish are anti-inflammatory because of the omega-3 fatty acids. Um, generally, I don't always recommend um, omega-3 supplement just, I, it depends on where the patient is not on the first day um, I, I really set the foundation straight first get it right and then start adding supplements one by one but omega-3 supplement is anti-inflammatory um, studies have shown that up to four grams is good um, also turmeric is a great supplement other anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. supplements as with buzzwellia um, um, devil's claw cat's claw um, there's so many types of supplements out there um, NLC-cysteine glutathione. There's, there's, there's so many we can talk about. Mm -hmm. But again, it's important for a patient to not do anything by themselves, correct? Yeah, because even though you see turmeric on the store, um, 
you don't know how it interacts with the medication. You don't know what the dose to take. Um, and it really requires someone that knows the literature that um, understands how to use these supplements. Because, um, you know, something can be very benign, but if it interacts with the, um, your medications, it could be pretty disruptive. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have talked about everything. And someone still eating a standard American diet and having their family do that. How can they hope to stay healthy in the future? Yeah, I mean, if you're eating a standard American diet, um, I mean, you can certainly, there's so many other things you can work on. You can work on your exercise, your stress levels, and all the other things that we talked about today. But um, you have to at least eat your fruits and vegetables, at least start eating, incorporating more fiber into your diet. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, not everyone can go from zero to 100, um, getting their um, required 28 grams of fiber a day or 35 grams if you're a male, uh, which is what's recommended. Uh, but I think baby steps is so important mm-hmm. um, just for your, not only for your own health, but your family's health as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's nicely said. Overall, when someone comes to your clinic with an autoimmune illness or they, say in this virtual world where they consult with you online, what is the approach that you take? If you can cover that in a nutshell. So what are all the things that you would do to a patient to help them feel better? Right. So definitely um, getting a complete history um, is very important. I Mm -hmm. I cover um, all the symptoms. Do they use drugs, alcohol? Are they married? Uh, Have they have, um, what's their, how were they born? They use antibiotics. Um, All these affect um, the body and um, what's the stress level like I go over lifestyle medicine um, what, are, what are your stresses work stress financial stress marriage stress are there any trauma did you have abuse growing up um, mm-hmm. what do you eat on a day-to-day basis do you exercise what time are you sleeping um, do you have a computer do you use watch tv before you sleep um, what kind of water do you drink do you live near a freeway um, do you have an air filter at home uh, the environmental toxins to plastics. Uh, what kind of cookware do you use? All these questions are very, very important um, that I try to use to get a complete picture of a patient. Um, that's why my visits are normally one hour or more um, because mm-hmm. I have so many questions for the patient. Because um, if you're going to want to get better naturally, these questions are very important. Mm-hmm. And then you also focus on your diet recommendations for the patient. Mm-hmm. And are there like any other uh, tests that normally one would uh, not run, say like, okay, just someone from med school wouldn't do that you are able to do um, because you know both? Yeah, so there are certainly other tests out there other than your standard tests. Um, these tests can be a little bit more expensive. I try not to run them if I can because I don't want to incur any more costs on my patients. Um, but there's definitely heavy metal testing out there. Um, you can test for um, environmental toxins. Uh, there, there's so many things out there. You can test for um, uh, MTHFR gene. And if you're having chronic fatigue, you can test these pathways as well. Um, but there's so many things you could test for. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you were to tell listeners three things to do for them to stay healthy, what would those be? Yeah. So move. I would say move every day. It doesn't matter what kind of movement you do. Uh, second is to 
make sure you try to incorporate the rainbow, eat any type of fruit or vegetable, um, you get double benefit, fiber and phytonutrients. And third is mm-hmm. to stress less. Uh, stress plays a major role in all chronic illnesses. If you stress less, it will um, really help you in the long run. Okay, fantastic. And now on to how people can reach you and where exactly is your practice and all the good stuff about how people can uh, stay connected with you on social media and all of that. Yeah, my handle is um, my autoimmune MD. I'm on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I also have my website out now, myautoimmunemd.com. Um, it just got released a couple of days ago and I'm still working on it. Um, so mm-hmm. definitely visit that. I'm going to have a blog on there. You can subscribe to my newsletter. And then if you want to f- see me as a patient, I'm looking in California, Newport Beach, California. I see patients virtually all over the U.S. and internationally as well. Uh, it's, the website is www.drlifestyle.org. That's drlifestyle.org. And um, my wife is also a doctor as well, so she sees primary care and different um, diseases as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you get your COVID shot? And I don't think any conversation these days is complete without talking about COVID-19 mm-hmm. and the vaccination. And unfortunately, I mean, the pandemic has just overwhelmed the world, mm-hmm. uh, but at least the vaccines are here. What about autoimmune conditions and vaccines and whether you have taken it? How did you feel? Yeah, so I uh, got my two COVID shots. Um, I think I got the Pfizer one. I've, of course, you know, I have autoimmune disease. So I felt fine. Uh, first, after the first shot, I got shoulder soreness. Um, the second shot, I mm-hmm. felt congestion and fatigue over two days. But I'm doing fine. I feel normal. Um, there is no clear indication right now or um, guideline on what to do with autoimmune disease patients because they were excluded from the trials. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I think it's pretty safe to get the vaccine for autoimmune disease. Definitely, everyone's a little bit different. Definitely talk to your doctor. But um, I think getting COVID itself can be uh, more problematic than getting the vaccine itself because I have seen new onset autoimmune disease from getting COVID um, in my clinic and getting post-COVID syndrome, which is brain fog, fatigue, um, sometimes joint pain and uh, dysautonomia, which is getting a very high heart rate randomly, Mm -hmm. um, can be a huge issue from COVID. So that's why I recommend the vaccine. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And I really appreciate you taking the time to do it here on Podcast Freshly Forever. Thank you so much, Dr. Yu. Thank you, Vi. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. And we look forward to having you anytime in the future that you're able to spend and just constantly keep giving us updates here on the show. Sure. Thank you so much. As always, before I sign off, folks, let me remind you, to subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. And the website is www.freshleafforever.com. That's one word. And make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Fresh Leaf Forever and on Twitter at Fresh Leaf Forever One. I enjoy reading your feedback and appreciate the follow. Let's make week after week a fresh leaf forever on the podcast. See you then.